Hi guys, Rob here, podcast editor for Everymind. Have you been on a Zoom meeting during lockdown and thought, why am I on this? Of course you have. Today, Paul is giving us some tips on dealing with Zoom fatigue and taking your questions. If you want your questions answered, then ask them on social media at Everymind at Work. If you think Everymind at Work can help your business, then head over to everymindatwork.com and book a free assessment call of your current mental health strategies. If you found this episode valuable, don't forget to share with a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. And as ever, enjoy the show. So, so really, if you was in the last session last week, you'll know this is a session that we're going to be talking about how do we support our employees, but as well, it's a space for you to support yourself as well. We all need that help in hand. Um, I'll give you a really short story of it. I'm not going to do the whole story every week, otherwise you'll get bored of it. Um, I'm Paul and I'm the founder of EveryMind at Work. And we are partners for over 100 companies when it comes to mental health in the workplace. We're more than a service provider where we just give you a something and then 11 and a half months later we come back and we ask you for some more money um, we've partnered with over 100 companies and we really embed ourselves into that business providing them with strategy support and obviously tools such as an app um, and training that can help them with with you know workplace mental health i do this off my own personal experience sadly i lost my dad to suicide when i was 18 years old um, massive shock to us all didn't talk about it didn't do anything about it that's what we do with mental health um, but sort of seven, eight years later, I decided to start talking more openly about it to try and help others. So this is definitely a, a purpose-driven business and just love doing these kind of sessions because like I said, it's a big, big passion of mine as well. So how these sessions are going to work, we're going to go for a subject each week and we're going to open up the floor to hear your insights, your questions and kind of hear from you guys as well. And like I say, we're going to be using a tool called Menti today, which is an anonymous way of getting some feedback and insights from you guys as well as part of these sessions so today's session we want to talk about zoom fatigue which is funny and lizzie from hr ninjas messaged me and said it's very ironic that you're doing a session on zoom about zoom fatigue um which is very true right but how else are we going to do it i'd love to do this in a a session in a pub somewhere or a restaurant but obviously we can't do that in the current situation but this is something that we've seen a, a lot across the clients that we work with the companies that we work with um you know zoom fatigue team fatigue whatever platform you're using we're just getting fed up right we're getting exhausted so how can we improve it but equally what support can we offer to our employees to help them deal with it as well so um Lizzie's here. I knew you was here, Lizzie. I was just kind of just 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 joking with you. So when it comes to Zoom fatigue, we're going to be talking about this in a minute. And I don't know if you guys have seen this meme. Um, does anyone feel like this? I, I know I do. Um, the amount of Zoom meetings that you have. And the thing the difficulty is, and one thing that we'll touch on today is, is you can have back to back Zoom meetings. I'm sure you've all had that or, you know, back to back online meetings where you have no break, you have no release. And that's very unnatural in the workplace environment. So we're going to be talking about that a little bit more today as well. On a scale of one to 10, how do you feel right now? I want to use this beginning part just to find out how you guys are doing. Um, and be honest, like I say, this is anonymous. Are you a one? Are you a, a two? Things have been really tough recently. Are you feeling okay? Are you feeling good? Or you're feeling really positive? Just give an honest answer to how you're feeling right now. Okay. 
So obviously lots of people on this session. How many people have we got at the moment? We've got almost 40 people on this session, or we have got 40, we've just had someone else join. We've got 40 people on this session. And um, you can obviously see that when we're looking at these numbers, obviously not all of you guys are doing it, but we've got the majority of you answering questions here. You know, we've got a lot of people saying things have been really tough, right? So number two. And again, when it comes to how we feel, potentially in your role as well, you're probably feeling very alone, very isolated, like you're the only person going through what you're going through. And, and that's mental health as a whole. You know, I know when I was struggling the most, I was the only person going through what I was going through. But when I actually saw that, hold on, other people are struggling, it makes you feel less alone, less isolated. And as we say, more of a community. So all I would say on this one is, you know, if things are really tough right now, as we all know with mental health, it can be like that. You can go from a two to a four within an hour, depending on what happens. You know, you can go from a five to a one very quickly as well. So I think it's um, important to note that, you know, just keep going. This this time has been very difficult for everyone, but it's certainly, you know, building a lot of resilience for a lot of people as well. So hopefully that shows that you're not alone. Have you ever struggled with your mental health? Again, personally, this is just for you. Just, just be honest. Like, have you ever struggled with your mental health? Um, and again, and I, I think this is a, a really important question to, again, just highlight that we don't talk about mental health still, right? You know, in and outside of the workplace. And we have this misconception that mental health is mental illness. And I think you can already see, you know, would you imagine that to be the answer in this case? You know, we've got sort of 25 people have said yes to this question, 26 now. Um, one person said no and four said, I'm not sure. I'm not sure is a really important part of this question as well, because are we have we struggled with our mental health or we just had a bad day or do we just feel uh, do we just worry about stuff um you know with the lack of education around mental health we still can't pinpoint whether we've ever struggled with it or not but again hopefully now you can kind of see guys that you know that we're definitely not alone if we are going through struggles and we're going through challenges right now as well um in terms of you and your workplace and the role that you play, are over 80% of your employees working remotely right now? So um, just yes or no to this question, are 80% of your employees, um, over 80% of your employees working remotely right now? So just so I can get an idea of how relevant this session is going to be, um, we've got the majority saying yes to that question. Okay, good stuff. Okay, cool. Excellent. So hopefully this will help. 75% of you have said yes to this question, so hopefully this will help. And then also, when do you think you'll return to the office, to the workplace in full capacity? This is very sort of a mystic meg opportunity, but when do you think that you'll return to, um, to the workplace? Okay, it's very interesting, right? Majority of you have said that you don't think that you ever will. So you don't think that you'll ever return to the office, to the workplace in full capacity. Second most popular answer is in three to six months time. Yeah, Graham, sorry, five days a week. So back to normal as I guess you want to call it. So back to five days a week, everyone working within the office or at the workplace as we was as well. Um, Tammy, if you just go to the code at the top, you should be able to access it. But I believe this is the last question um, before we move on. But we will be coming back to Menti in just a minute. 
So again, that's really interesting. I don't think we ever will is the most popular answer there. Um, and again, you know, it's definitely accelerated remote working and a new way of working and a new approach as well when it comes to business. But I think, you know, I'm always saying this to a lot of our clients, we're almost in a comfort zone at the moment. We're almost in our bubbles in a way. And I believe that if we are not equipped as a business to be flexible with the return to the workplace, I feel like you're going to have a lot more issues um, for employees in particular. So, you know, people that are kind of saying, you know, we're going to rush everyone back as soon as we can. I think that will have a massive impact potentially on productivity, overall sort of well-being and mental health as well. So I don't think we ever will is probably a good answer there. If we can be flexible with that, then of course it's going to be beneficial. Um, do you feel your employees are experiencing remote meeting burnout or exhaustion? Just yes or no. And then I'm going to answer and give you a couple of tips and advice on how we can kind of manage that. Okay, cool. That's probably why you're all on this session, right? If you're going to say yes to this question. Good stuff. Excellent. So hopefully you can now go back and see my slides. And I'm just going to give you a couple of tips in terms of managing Zoom fatigue, burnout. We've put a couple of these tips together for you guys. And then equally, if you want to jump on the microphone afterwards, share some insights or share something that you've been doing as a business that can help, um, that would of course be extremely sort of, you know, great to hear from you as well. Don't want to make this all about me. Um, and then also then what we're going to do after that is go back to Menti and you're going to have free reign of asking any questions there anonymously, or you can jump on the microphone, ask a question or share some insight too as well. So in terms of how do we kind of tackle this? I think it's difficult to do, but there's lots of tips out there. Um, a couple that we've seen to be quite effective is obviously no meeting time blocks in your organization. So um, potentially having time blocks where no meetings are allowed. So I know that I've got a time block in my diary, which is essentially um, lunch break and I'm not allowed to book meetings in there. And I need to make sure that I go and eat my lunch in the kitchen and kind of switch off from work. And, you know, some organizations are really encouraging this, these time blocks where you're not allowed to book meetings. Um, I know one of our clients did share a lot of insight around, I think it was Friday, Friday afternoons along those lines, you know, you're not allowed to take meetings, you're not allowed to book meetings in um, and ensuring that employees get that break that they need. I think, you know, given this as a standard, doesn't mean that everyone's going to do it, but I think encouraging them to do it is really important because they need that period where they're not in a meeting, they're not on Zoom, they're not talking to someone remotely, um, because of course it's hugely important when it comes to mental health as well. Reduce on screen stimuli, especially large meetings, ask employees to turn their cameras off if not speaking, ask employees to have the same preset background to re reduce distraction, um, use speaker view instead of gallery view, I know I've done various different webinars and sessions during this difficult time. And, you know, I obviously share my own experience of my dad and how I managed it and my own mental health. And, you know, I know in a, a room environment, let's say I've got 50 people in front of me, you can read people's emotions. And of course, sometimes it can be quite triggering. And I have to obviously do a trigger warning at the beginning. You know, I'm very safe with how I tell that story, but it's a, a very emotive subject. Um, with webinars like this and Zoom, 
you know, I'm just here talking and I can't see anyone. I cannot see how they're reacting. I don't like to see everyone's face. Like, um, I apologize guys. I'm not looking at anyone's screens at the moment. Um, I will do in a minute, but you know, it's, it's difficult when you've got so much going on. How do you concentrate when you've got so much going on? So I think it's important that you do the best that you can. And sometimes just minimizing everyone's sort of, you know, webcams is your way of just being able to deal with that as well. Um, make phone calls instead of video calls. I've had a couple of these over the last couple of weeks. I've, I, never, I never thought I'd say this. I actually prefer having a phone conversation than a Zoom call, right? I don't know if you guys agree with that. Um, the reason why I like phone calls is I can just put my headphones in, go for a walk, go outside. You know, lots of um, companies are encouraging having meetings and phone calls whilst on walks and try, trying to get people to be active as well as part of that. Um, you know, do we have to always be on webcam? Do we always have to be on Zoom? Can it be a phone call where we've got a little bit more flexibility as well? Ensuring all mics are turned off when not speaking. Again, reducing background noise and, and reducing interruption. Um, again, just kind of, these are like outlines that you can potentially set and share with your employees. Happy to share these slides with you as well, guys, if it helps. And then have an agenda for meetings. Give me a yes in the chat box, guys. Have you ever been on a Zoom call? Maybe you're on one now and you're like, I don't know why I'm here. Please don't make it this one. But have you ever been on a Zoom call where you're just, you're just sitting there and potentially it's gone on for maybe an, an hour longer than you expected or 45 minutes more than you expected or five minutes or whatever. And you're just like, why are we still sat on here? Why are we still sat on this Zoom where, where people are talking? Um, and, and it's important that you have like an agenda, a, a, a structure for the meetings because otherwise they can, they can drag on as well. Um, and again, having that structure, the conversations, make them more efficient, make them more productive. Um, expected outcomes, like Eileen said, is a really important point as well. Um, it's, it's key to kind of have that as part of the meetings to make sure that you're on it and then you're off it as quickly as you possibly can. Um, and then also as well, I think just coming back to what someone else said as well, I think it was Eileen as well, saying we've reduced meeting times to 45 minutes, I only book meetings at lunchtime if an exception. Again, lots of companies that we've seen have said that no one hour meetings, you know, do a 40 minute meeting or a half an hour meeting or a 45 minute meeting or a 50 minute meeting because and make sure that you're strict with cutting off at that point. Because again, it's fine to say do a 50 minute meeting and then it just overruns and then it's the hour anyway. Like be very strict with that 45 minutes or whatever it is, because then you're going to book another meeting in potentially 15 minutes later. But that gives you that release, that gives you that break. So again, you know, I'm very guilty of that hour finish, jump on another Zoom call, hour, finish, jump on another Zoom call, hour, finish. And yeah, by the time you finish that, you're exhausted, you're drained, you don't want to do any work. You know, it's not very good for our sort of mental health well-being. So definitely if we can advise this as an organization to our employees and encourage them to potentially put some boundaries in place, it's going to have a massive impact when it comes to utilizing this kind of remote way of working as well. Um, I had a couple of people said, we did yoga at lunch and I've had some physio sessions, um, walk and talk, 30 minutes with my colleague. Yeah, Jane, we encouraged that around January time. We sent out some comms for our clients. Um, again, we, we, we try and send as many comms as possible to take the kind of workload off them. And one of them was a walk and talk. And it was encouraging employees to take a Zoom meeting outside. And like you said, you know, I'm out on my walk. My colleague that I'm on a meeting with is outside on their walk. And, you know, we're kind of utilizing that hour as a way of walking and talking and, you know, the benefits of doing that as well. Um, Tammy says we ensure there is structured time for people to ask questions at the end and structured time to check in at the start and recognize these are as important as the information. 
okay cool good stuff but i think you know there's there's obviously a huge amount of memes and disadvantages to zoom and we could all complain about it but where would we be without this technology where we can have um you know those those sessions and those meetings and i know specifically for me like i say a big passion of mine is reaching more people and and trying to help more people that could be suffering in silence with their mental health like my dad was and you know i, I kind of if i totaled up how many people that i've done a presentation to on zoom in the last 12 months you know it's probably a, a big number and i don't think i would have reached that people if it was all face-to-face -face events and and talks as well so you know we've got to be grateful for the zoom and these platforms as well um as well i'm also doing poll surveys and then acting upon the results presented is a, as another tip that jane has suggested too so what i'm going to do guys before we ask some questions i'm going to jump back over to to menti so what i want you to do is if you haven't gone on to menti already um, all you need to do is, as you can see at the top there, is just open up your phone, go to menti.com, and then use the code 6394935. Like I said, if you can't do it, do not worry. Um, it's just a way of getting involved during this session. Um, but if you've already got it up, open up your phone like I have it here, and we're going to go on and ask another question. So, what mental health support do you offer? within your business so what you've got here is um, you can submit multiple answers so if you've got an employee assistance program just that could be one eap mental health first aiders um me i like that um what is it that you offer as a business the reason why i'm asking this question is obviously to kind of get an idea of what um what offerings you have as a business but equally hopefully it's something that you might see on there that's something different to to what you have as a business as well so again you know how what can you apply from some of these answers and i'm happy to share these answers as well lizzie i'm sure we can put it up in the ninjas group too um of what's potentially there that you can obviously embed into your business as well so eap looks like it's got the majority of of people are answering that um, MHFA, mental health first aiders as well. There's lots coming in here, which is cool. Do I see rap? Stretch and relax, mental health days, self-care workshops, general training, well-being talks, hour of exercises, exercise classes, mental health champions, yoga, check-ins, therapy. Excellent. Now, I put a video out on LinkedIn yesterday and I did a webinar session on this as well. Um, and the approach that we take is very much around this, that for very long businesses have focused too much on the what and not the why. Now, what I mean by that when it comes to mental health and well-being is when I say we focus on the what, it's what do we have in the business? So if I say to you, what support do you have within the business? You could say, well, we have an employee assistance program. We have mental health first aiders. We do yoga every Friday. We do um, you know, exercise classes as well. And then if I say to you, why do you do that? That's when we struggle because the lack of strategy when it comes to mental health has existed for so long. And the reason why I believe a lack of strategy has existed is because we don't understand the complexity of mental health, right? And, you know, saying that, okay, we've got an employee assistance program, we've got some mental health first aiders, that means that our employees are supported when it comes to mental health. It just doesn't work like that, guys. And I'm sure obviously you all know that. So, so really what is important when we're looking at these options here is there's so much that we can do. Right. And I, I do believe that we need to try and offer as much as we possibly can, because, again, mental health is very individual. 
but what's the strategy behind it? Like, why are we doing it? So yes, we've got an employee assistance program. Yes, we've got mental health first aiders. If we want to create some resilience training for our managers, why? And how are we gonna embed it into the business as part of an overriding strategy? So again, a big sort of thing that we do as a business is we focus on what's called the three pillars, um, promote, provide, protect. And every sort of evidence-based intervention that we obviously you know, use has to fit into those three pillars. It has to fit into the strategy because if it doesn't, then of course, you know, it's just more money being spent. And are we actually having an impact on what you know, our employees are feeling and their well-being? But there's so much there, guys, which is really, really good to see. Like I said, lots and lots on there. Um, so I really appreciate you sort of answering that. And again, you know, putting as much effort into the as you possibly can. What's your biggest challenges right now as a HR professional or, you know, whatever your role is when supporting your employees' mental health and well-being? So what is your biggest challenge right now? Okay, so we've got time, we've got engagement, we've got communication, not being face-to-face, -face, openness, senior leadership, effective comms, individual needs, executive buy-in, transparency. I'm sure a lot of you can relate to these as well. You know, lots of, as I say, HR professionals that I speak to, a lot of these challenges are pretty much the same as what we're seeing here. Not being face-to-face -face is like we say, a very key one. You know, how do you support your employees in the way that you possibly can if you was in the workplace, if you was in a, a working environment? Again, is it easier to spot if someone is potentially struggling? Is it easier to spot their behaviors and have a process in place for that person if you're working together, you know, every single day or Monday to Friday? How much more difficult is it to know if someone is struggling if they're working remotely, as you've said? You know, I've known HR professionals ringing up their employees and having that as part of their sort of structured weekly routine. Um, to make sure that they're doing okay. And that's a huge drain on time and resources, but how do you make sure that everyone's checked in and, and okay as well? Um, effective comms and engagement is again, a big, big challenge that you know we see a lot of. How do you reach all of your employees when it comes to supporting their mental health? One of the things that I advise on that too, is it, we, have to we have to change our expectations when it comes to how many employees we can help with mental health. Now, what I mean by that is you are up against a much bigger force, a force called stigma, a force called conditioning and lack of education around mental health. So whenever we're in trying to engage and we're trying to create communication with our employees, there's going to be a, a majority of them that don't want to engage. Um, if we do a mental health session, you're probably going to turn a lot of people off because they just don't like the word mental health. They believe it's going to be about mental illness and we don't want to discuss that. Um, so I'm not going to come to that session. So when it comes to our comms and our engagement, we have to ask the question of if we can engage with 20% of our workforce and if we can help them in a really, really sort of you know positive way, how much of an impact does that not only have on the business, but how much of an impact does that have on them, their lives, their family, the people around them at work, et cetera, et cetera. So we're never gonna get 100% engagement. We're never gonna get every employee saying, I really loved you sending out this graphic on sleep, you know, for World Sleep Day. It's just not gonna happen. But if we focus on with the right intent, can we help, you know, a, a, a cohort of employees within our organization, then this is why we need to invest in it. And this is why we need to keep communicating with them as well. Um, 
And again, when it comes to those comms and those times, there's various different ways of doing it. So engaging with the audience and engaging with the employees that don't want to get involved, the way that I would advise you guys to do that is make it a lot more soft. So instead of saying we're doing a session on mental health, say we are doing a physical challenge where everyone's got to walk X amount of miles for us to do this. Oh, and by the way, as part of that challenge, you embed conversations around mental health and the importance of it. So what you're then doing is you're getting them to engage in a different way. And then we're having more of a conversation around mental health as part of that too. So really appreciate this. I'm sure a lot of you can relate to this too in terms of your biggest challenges as well. Have you ever felt like you needed extra help when supporting your employees? So you personally, um, has there been a situation where you've kind of really struggled and you don't really know what to do and um, you feel like you need that extra sort of help in hand? Has there been times where senior leaders have said to you, we need to boost staff morale. What are you going to do about it? And you're kind of scratching your head saying, I don't know, you know, I've got no budget. I've got no resources. I've got no time on my hands for me to be able to do this. And you felt like you needed that extra help. Um, again, sort of very common in terms of what I see from the conversations that I have on a daily basis as well. And that's one thing that baffles me. And one thing that I'm trying to change and the business is trying to change is, you know, it's hard enough supporting your own mental health, let alone supporting the mental health of all of your employees. If it was that simple, you know, we wouldn't have the, the issues that arise today. So it looks like a lot of you need that extra help as well. So again, you know, it's good to sort of see that. And again, if you are that person that has been struggling, feeling like you need extra help, you judge yourself for that. You feel like an imposter, you deal with imposter syndrome because you don't feel like you're able to support your employees the best that you can within your role. Hopefully that um, answer there of 22 people shows that you're definitely not alone there as well. Um, last question I think this is, and then we'll do Q&A. How do you manage your own mental health? This is just, again, I really want you guys to take this away. Um, there might be some options here that you haven't thought about that you might want to implement into your own life as well, because it's really important that we all proactively manage our mental health. We take that time off for ourselves as well, whether it's exercise by the looks of it. I know Lizzie, if Lizzie's still on here, Lizzie's a big runner. Um, running's helpful for my mental health as well, but I know for a lot of people, it's definitely not helpful for their mental health. We've got walking, we've got going for my daily walk, we've got reading. We've got talking, we've got taking time out, we've got baking, we've got crosswords, we've got painting, we've got music, switching off my device, singing. Singing might be good for my mental health, it's definitely not going to be good for my wife's mental health, let me just put it that way, or my kids' mental health. Um, music's a big one. Cooking, dog walks, scheduling and me time, gardening. Okay, good stuff. And I think with this question, guys, and you know, to take this away, there's so many options there. It's just so important that all of us schedule in that bit of time for us. So like we've said, it's okay to schedule in a bit more time to, you know, in between meetings, but what are we doing in between meetings? What are we doing for us? You know, we're, we're almost taught and educated when it comes to mental health. And I always talk about this a lot to ignore it until a big issue arises and then do something about it. It's what my dad did, you know, left it until the last minute to go and get that help. It's what I did, leave it to the last minute to, to I went and got that help as well. And we're so reactive with it. But if we take a more proactive approach, and I know that exercise is helpful for me, that going for my walks, that spending time with my family is helpful for me, I have to force myself to do that. I have to force myself to do that on a daily basis because it's so important. Um, and these are all ways and all tools that we can use to do that as well. 
the way that I sort of just quickly, so you can kind of take this away, it's such, a, it's such an important priority because, you know, for a lot of us, mental health and suicide is the biggest threat to our own lives. You know, this, the suicide statistics, the statistics that surround mental health, we're not talking about a minority here, we're talking about a majority. So it's definitely important that you do take that 10 minute, half an hour, hour out of your day just for you, um, especially in the role that you take and implement some of these strategies that you're seeing here on the screen too. Okay, a couple of questions coming in anonymously. So do you think mental health first aid is effective? Um, there's a, there's a, to, to be honest with you, 100%, there's a lack of, there's a lack of um, research behind how effective mental health first aid actually is. I think mental health first aid has obviously become an accredited almost intervention that if as a business you have mental health first aiders you know it looks like you're obviously doing stuff for your for your um employees one of my biggest challenges for mental health first aid is how they're embedded into the business so one thing that we'll always do if if, if an organization wants us to train mental health first aiders we will do that but what we do that's different is we make sure those mental health first aiders are embedded into the business and they're also supported in the business you know, just because I have done a two day mental health first aid course and I walk away with a booklet does not mean I'm a qualified therapist and I now the signpost to go and speak to Paul if you've got a problem with your mental health because Paul after a two day course and a booklet is not that person who can take on all of that. So the, my biggest challenge with mental health first aid is, is, is how you embed in it into the business and how you support in those mental health first aiders. Equally, if you was on last session, you'll also know the impact that stigma has on mental health first aid. So what I mean by that is you could spend a couple of thousand pounds training mental health first aiders, you embed them into your business, you tell everyone that these are now the mental health first aiders, six months pass and no one has utilized them, no one has spoken to them. And the reason why that is the case is because stigma still exists. Just because John has done a two-day mental health first aid course does not change my stigma, the stigma and the judgment that I feel that I'll have if I go and speak to John about my challenges and the issues that I'm facing. So I think with mental health first aid, it's good to have that potentially as an intervention in the business, but there is so much more around that you need to obviously consider um, as well. Tips of promoting an employee assistance program. Um, good question. I would just embed it into a lot of your communications. I would try and again take look at it in a more proactive way. My the biggest challenge that I have with employee assistance programs is obviously they're marketed at if someone's in crisis. And again, that's the that's the mistake that we've been making with mental health for so long in and outside of the workplace is reactive. You know, I always talk about drink plenty of water, you know, eat an apple a day to keep the doctor away, make sure you eat the right food. I was taught to physically look after my own physical health so I do not become physically unwell. So proactively manage it. With mental health, I was taught ignore it until you're in crisis and then go and get that help. So we we, we exist in this very reactive way of, of dealing with mental health. And I believe that an employee assistance program is typically communicated and run in that way. It's very reactive. Like if you're in crisis, reach out to this number and get this support. So I would embed it as part of your overall, again, organizational sort of strategy. Um, when you look at the three pillars that we use, promote, provide, protect. Protect is very much if someone's in crisis, do you have support for them? I would embed the EAP there. But what you're doing in terms of promote, which is reducing stigma, and what you're doing in terms of provide is providing them with training and tools to manage their own mental health is vitally important. If you've just got an EAP, you're going to struggle to kind of promote it and get people to use it. Um, 
having an open culture, none, non-judgmental. We also have comms around. I think that's for the last one. So thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Um, how do you help with motivation? I think this is a difficult one. I don't know if you, uh, it might be helpful if one of you guys jumps on this as well. Like, um, so if you've got any ideas on this, then just unmute your mic now and then, and then I'll bring you in. I can see who's unmuted their mic. I think motivation is very individual and people are motivated in very different ways. So it's about, there's no one size fits all approach to that, I would say. You know, how do you motivate, how you motivate one person is very different to the way you motivate someone else. So like, if you think of like a sales team, typically we all think that the way every sales person is motivated is, is via, um, via money. You know, a lot of people aren't motivated by money. They're motivated by freedom and flexibility and being able to start work later so they can take their son or daughter to school, et cetera. So I would take this as a very sort of individual approach um, rather than a one-size-fits-all approach. Zoe, you got something to add? Yeah, I, 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 just to echo that, Paul, I, I think what I've sort of found is that um, it, if you sort of do like a forced fun or a forced activity or, or whatever, sometimes it can it can fall flat. So I think having that choice and the one size fits all is, is always key. And I think having as many options as possible and, and via as many, you know, mediums as, as, as possible, um, uh, you know, will, will help because I think not everybody's going to engage virtually, are they? I think there's, there's still quite a big proportion of people that, you know, don't like going on to Zoom, don't like the camera being on, et cetera, et cetera, but equally want to have, you know, be part of what's going on and have that information. So maybe they want something in a written form or a newsletter or, a, you know, it, it could be anything, couldn't it? But I think I think it's important to have that full variety so that you're still reaching out and you're still engaging with people but just via different you know different mediums and it, and, and you're not forcing it then um, if they don't want to engage ultimately it's it, it's up to them isn't it but at least you've given them the option of finding that information via a different route yeah, definitely any tips for rolling out an eap I would again kind of, as we say, allude to what does the EAP, how does the EAP exist in your overall sort of strategy? You know, just, just rolling out an EAP and saying we've got an employee assistance program, to me was okay 10 years ago, it's not okay now. You know, just saying, oh, we've got an EAP is, is I don't feel like that's you doing as much as you possibly can to help your employees with their mental health. So when it comes to rolling out your employee, um, employee assistance program, think about the communications around it, um, what else are you going to do on top of that in terms of, as we say, awareness, reducing stigma, sort of training, tools, whatever you can obviously offer your employees as well as the EAP. I think that's, you know, massively important too um, as well. I think this was the last one as well. When thinking about a well-being strategy, would you suggest communicating it out before starting to do anything so that there are no surprises that and may increase engagement buying? I think having a um, the well-being strategy, it depends. I probably wouldn't, you know, rec I probably wouldn't share the well-being strategy with everyone in the business. I would probably just keep that to yourself and whoever within the kind of, as we say, senior level needs to know that strategy. Um, because again, if we're kind of like outlining it, but I think it's important to be as transparent as you can be with employees. So again, when we say about the sort of overall strategy that we use, it's making sure that we're focusing on all of those three pillars and making sure that within those three pillars, there's stuff that is specific to your business, your employees and how it can help. So definitely get that sign off from a senior level, make sure that you're all on the same page. 
And, and, you know, it's important that when you have this strategy, as we've said, it's focusing on the why and not the what, you know, it's not about the what anymore. It's about the why. And what do we want to achieve within the next 12 months? What's the strategy? How are we going to get there? What are we going to do throughout the next 12 months to really kind of drive mental health within the business? Um, but yeah, I think as transparent as you can be with your employees, the better on that. But yeah, I would say with the strategy itself, that's something for you to just know and your senior team as well. But as always, guys, if you do want to reach out about how we can help, um, as, as I say, what we're sort of morphing more into is a partnership. We've partnered with over 100 companies sort of ranging from 10 employees to our biggest at the moment is sort of, um, I think, 12,000. So different sort of, you know, sectors. And, and the key focus for us is, as we say, that partnership. A um, couple of ways that we obviously partner with you is we have different offerings, trainings. We have um, obviously quarterly check-ins with us where we can advise you on well-being and strategy and take as much of this off your hands as you possibly want us to. And a key thing that we obviously do is we provide you with the data so you can kind of see the where your employees potentially need a little bit more help. And we can then obviously advise you on what help you can offer them too. And also, you know, I don't know if you've ever done this, sort of, you know, it's coming up to Mental Health Awareness Week, it's come up to World Mental Health Day, you're Googling, you're trying to find comms, you're trying to find stuff that you can send out to your employees. What we do with all of our partners is we create a 12-month calendar of all of the key dates that you can obviously see, and then we send you all the comms, we send you all the advice and initiatives for all of those key dates throughout the year as well. So really, it's kind of taking it off your hands as much as you possibly want us to as well. Um, and of course, you know, interactive webinars, online courses, resilience training, mental health first aid training, um, you know, support for those mental health first aiders in your business. We have different packages. So guys, if you want to find out more about that and how we can help, um, my email's there. You might have my email already, but like I say, just reach out, paul at everymineatwork.com. Whether you want to partner with us or not, does not matter. If you just want to jump on a call, get a bit of advice specific to your business, I'm happy to do that as well. Like I say, you know, it's important that more people get the support that they need and that comes from a place of personal experience so i'm happy to just jump on a call if you do want to kind of get a bit of advice too so paul at everymindatwork.com if you want to book that strategy call so guys thank you so much for for taking the time out go do what time are we finishing it? We've got six minutes before your next Zoom meeting. So make sure you go and spend the next six minutes um, doing what you need to do and focusing on, on your, your own mental health too. But guys, thank you so much for joining and hopefully I'll see you all next Wednesday at the same time.